0: Hey, folks, Gavin Roth here with episode 14 of the Roth Revenue Podcast. This is the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, where I sit with sponsorship marketing leaders to find out their story, their mentors, their insights, and personal and professional development advice. This episode's featured guest is Josh Epstein. Josh is one of the most respected sponsorship executives in the country, having worked for MLSE. RBC, Newport Sports, and now BMO, where he is Managing Director of Sponsorship. He knows his stuff, and he speaks with a passion and conviction that is rare. In this episode, we discuss his journey, and there's a cool story in there about how Five Seconds of Courage helped kickstart Josh's career. We also discuss the amazing network of fellow influencers that Josh has cultivated over his career— Notables such as Tom Pastori, Dave Hopkinson, Jackie Ryan, Jim Little, Steve Marshman, Don Meehan, Michael Beckerman, and Justine Fadak. Josh shares insights into the RBC Olympians program, an amazing initiative that helped the likes of freestyle legend Jeff Bean make the transition after their competitive days were done. He gives great insight into RBC's sponsorship of the 2010 Olympic Torch Relay, and how it brought the Olympic spirit to nearly 1,000 RBC branches in communities across the country. Josh shines a light on BMO's sponsorship strategy centered around what's known as the BMO effect. He also gives a little tease about the amazing things to come with BMO's support of the MLS and soccer in Canada as we head toward the 2026 FIFA World Cup. We talk trends and personal professional development advice. All great stuff. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes of the Roth Revenue Podcast, follow me on LinkedIn, visit Spotify, SoundCloud, or check out RothRevenue.com. All right. uh, Sitting with uh, Josh Epstein, who is Managing Director of Sponsorship at BMO. And after some uh, technical scares, uh, we are off and running. Josh, thanks for taking the time. Happy to be here. Good stuff. So um, you've got your finger on the pulse of of the sponsorship community. We've, we've done some work together on the, the SMCC and SMAs, the, uh, the judging. Um, uh, great career path. Um, just, you know, you're a perfect guy to talk to. Uh, you know, this is all about influencers of sponsorship marketing. So um, love to start with uh, how you got into the business. Um, I know you were with MLSC and Newport. Um, BMO, so you've you've seen and, and, and touched it all. Um would love to hear, how did it happen? How did you get into the space?
1: Sure, and you missed one big one, and I was at RBC for six years during the Vancouver yeah. Olympics as well, but I'll, I'll jump into yeah. that. So um, I've told this story many times. I went to Western as an undergrad. I got my degree in arts. I got a BA in arts. Uh, and I did it. I did a three-year degree in four years, like any great uh, young person would would <laughs> want to do. Uh, and when I was done at Western, I really didn't know what what was next. I I looked at law school. I wrote the LSAT. Um, I just, my heart wasn't in it you know, my mm-hmm. mother wanted me to go to law school yeah. I did not, and I'm sure that's a common story uh, yeah. for people that actually went to law school Yeah, they went yeah, because their them. mother wanted
0: them to go and then you hear miserable lawyers right, miserable right. Lawyers. I don't know a yeah. whole lot of happy lawyers. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so I started looking around and, and I talked to a few older people and I think that's a recurring theme uh, today is just the importance of your network Yes. and uh, somebody said it's hard enough to go to a job that you love could you imagine going to a job that you hate? Yeah. And as a young person coming out of university, you're, you're scared about a lot of things, and that was one of those things that terrified me. So yeah. I really took a look and said, what, what do I love? And I've always been a sports guy. Played yeah. it, watched it, uh, you know, all of it. Uh, so I tried to, to figure out a way to combine sports and business and everything else that, you know, a, a 22-year-old young person starting their career would want to do. Uh, I did some research and I I just really by chance found a sports administration program at York. It doesn't exist anymore. It Mm -hmm. was a small program. This is before the Schulich days. Um, And... It was sort of exactly what I was looking for. They called it sport administration. It it was more sports management. So it was everything from sales to marketing, although the sales education was super light. um, But there was an aspect of it where we actually had to build events, sell tickets to those events. A real practical, Mm -hmm. practical part of the program. Uh, It was, I believe, a two-year postgraduate certificate. um, And I jumped right in. That's and awesome so what, I, what year roughly would that, that would have be 1998
0: so yeah because I graduated York 93 and it wasn't yeah. I would have found
1: it yeah so yeah. so 1998 uh, I left Western started at York uh, and jumped right in it was uh, it was a really small class I want to say it was like 12 or 14 people yeah. and about a month into yeah. my my first semester at York yeah. um, Tom Pastore, who was the manager of ticket sales at Maple Leaf Sports and also a recent graduate of the program, came to speak to the class. Mm and for an hour he talked about working at Maple Leaf Sports so at the time that was the Leafs and the Raptors and the Air Canada Centre was about a month from opening like talk about an exciting time yeah. to be in ticket sales you know Tom was you know the guy yeah. so he came and spoke to the class and my jaw was on the floor the whole time I was like this is exactly what I want to do mm-hmm. for a living so Tom got through his speech and everybody asked questions and, and I gave it a few minutes after class and I, I went up to Tom and I said Tom everything that you just said is what I want to do. How do I get my foot in the door? I will clean toilets, I'll pick up dry cleaning, I'll do whatever it takes. He said, give me a call, I'm looking for an intern, and we'll see. And one month later, I started as Tom's intern. By the way, 20 years later, Tom is one of my best friends in the whole world. Amazing. Um, yeah, I, and I think... So, you, five seconds of courage. Five seconds of courage. Right. And, and hustle, right? Yeah. And And again...
0: But I, just just in terms of going up totally. to him and saying, this is what totally. I want, right?
1: And and I say hustle because I, I use the word hustle all the time, but I think yeah. hustle beyond, you know, getting in a job and doing what you need to do every day, yeah. I think hustle is... The strength, the courage, the yeah. really everything that we're talking about yeah. to go and make connections and build yeah. that network. Yeah. Again, yeah. coming back to the word network. Yeah, put yourself out there. Totally. Right? Yeah. So, Good. so fast forward twenty years. Yeah. Tom's one of my best friends in the world. Tom yeah. left Maple Leaf Sports a few months ago. And now he's the president of the New York Islanders. Yeah, incredible. I just heard about that. And, yeah. and we'll talk more about you know yeah. where yeah. my yeah. network has grown sure. and gone and things like that. And it's it's yeah. amazing. It yeah. really is mind-boggling how a small group of, of folks from canada are now on the global stage of sports yeah, marketing yeah yeah uh, so i'll tell a good story remind yeah. me to tell a good story yeah. about that as we get a little bit deeper good good so about uh, literally six weeks into this york program i started as an intern at maple Leaf sports and this is before the practical interns part of the program starts like i just took it and i fast realized that this was a full-time thing right like i wasn't doing two days a, a week i was doing Seven days a week as an intern at Maple Leaf Sports, yep. and again, uh, you know, word to word to the wise: if you get an internship where you want to work, you mm-hmm. make sure that they can, you know, you're not expendable. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, I think we're all expendable to a certain degree, of course. But when I was an intern, I was first one there, last one gone. Made sure everyone in the building knew my name, and mm. you know, I, I, I certainly wasn't splitting the atom. But I was working hard.
0: Well that's it. And there's no uh, replacement for hard work. Totally and, and the the term the other term I would use to not being expendable is just always be relevant,
1: right? So good, yeah. Always be relevant, build those relationships. Yeah. It's it's a lot harder to get rid of someone whose first name you know yes. than some faceless kid running around. Yeah. yeah. So Richard Petty, the president of the organization, I made sure he knew who I was very early on. That's cool. Tom Anselmi, one of my yeah. great early mentors, knew who I was early on. Yeah, yeah. So, all, all of that to say, you know, I get started in this internship, soon realize it's a full-time thing, and how in the world am I gonna, you know, stay as a, a full-time student at, at York in this, in this certificate program? And I had a bit of a heart-to-heart with the, the director of the program, a wonderful woman named Sue Vale. And I said, Sue, I got oh, into this program to get into sports, get a job in sports, I found that job, even though it was an internship. I'm not sure I can do both. And her and I really hashed out how I could do both. And my certificate program at York kind of turned into correspondence. I participated where I could, yeah. Uh, and we made it work. And but what
0: I, what I love about that is there are so many people, and I have two daughters, 19 and 20. They're at that stage in life, and I'll have this conversation. You know, they'll have that that doubt. Uh, I want to do this and this but that's not how it's done and what I love about what you did is you just it's a very simple thing you 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 proposed you you put it on the table right you you said here's here's my dilemma and you problem solved and so many people you see this in day-to-day life they they just accept that it's probably going to be a challenge and they don't try to totally and now that that scenario played out for you and totally yeah I, I and love it was
1: that. it was busy yeah, you know, I was uh, I was an unpaid intern, I was an unpaid student, uh, you know, getting back and forth wherever I could, uh, but we made it work, and I'd say after two or three months as an intern at Maple Leaf Sports, I was offered a full-time job, and this is back when Maple Leaf Sports was 200 and some odd people, uh, it's a much bigger company now, I think it's 4,000 odd people now, or something massive like yeah. that, um, and, and I got my dream job. And my dream job was bottom of the ladder. I mean bottom. (laughs) I was a sales coordinator in ticket sales. And doesn't sound glamorous? The greatest thing ever, (laughs) you know? And and again, this was, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. But I would try and help build sales programs during the day, I would work leaf games, and raptor games, whatever whatever it whatever takes, it takes okay, yeah. whatever it takes whatever they need it sure yeah uh, i think I, my first year salary was 21500 mm-hmm. uh And that is pre-tax. Post-tax, I was making less than I was spending to get there. Uh, Twenty-one
0: thousand post-tax is probably
1: nineteen thousand. Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) I wasn't in a terribly attractive tax bracket, Um, but but it was worth it. It was the greatest thing ever. So uh, that this is uh, two thousand. Yeah, Uh, worked my butt off and first job turned into a second job at Maple Leaf Sports. So I went from sales coordinator to sales assistant. Maybe it was the other way around. Then I worked my way over to New Media, which at the time was Leafs TV and Raptors TV, television stations that were mm-hmm. showing a burning fireplace uh, for 12 hours a day and, mm-hmm. and ancillary programming, no games for the other 12 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got me into sales and that was what I sold. I sold television, Leafs yeah. TV and Raptors TV. So I've told this story many times. If you can sell Leafs TV and Raptors, tv yeah. in 2001 yeah. or 2002 with no ratings yeah. you can yeah. sell anything yeah no yeah. ratings uh, yeah i remember we would get the ratings report every couple of weeks yeah. and instead of a number it said nsf yeah. or or <laughs> no, no that's your bank account not yeah. not sufficient for research <laughs> So that means less than five hundred people an hour. The NSF was your bank. That's that's that too, right? Lots of NSF and lots of NSR. So, um, worked worked my way through new media. Amazing experience. Learned sales. Learned broadcasting. Learned TV. And about three and a half years into my six year career at Maple Leaf Sports, I ended up in corporate sponsorships. It's called global partnerships now. Yeah. Back then it was sponsorships. Yeah. Back then it was selling association to brands to the team. So. Molson, Best Buy, Ford, Pizza Pizza, Get a rink board. Get a contest. And, get, and yours was uh, developing
0: partnerships, nope, yours servicing, was managing the partnership. servicing. I servicing. was pure service. That's what I wonder when I read the the description. It felt like it was on the the client management 100%. servicing side.
1: Yeah, as as Dave Hopkinson, another one of my very who best read, friends, who wrote
0: one of the most amazing recommendations. Oh, uh, I was
1: reading that. Yeah, but, yeah.
0: And you could and you could tell that was a genuine recommendation. Dave Dave
1: was you? the head of, of partnerships or sponsorships in the early 2000s and went on to an amazing 25 year career at Maple Leaf Sports and I think his final title was Chief Commercial Officer so number two at the organization and about a year ago he left to be the Chief Commercial Officer at Real Madrid so basically the biggest job in sports business and you know again network Dave's one of my other closest friends and we stay in touch and we speak weekly Uh, we have a group chat a WhatsApp group chat and you know we've we've stayed very close Good. also all in a football pool so all the guys that's the key that's the key all the guys all the guys that were at maple uh, Maple eSports in the early 2000s you know there's 12 of us uh Dave, Tom, Jeff DeLine, who's yeah. who's running the show there now, Ryan Bonney who's in the raptor suit, Tom McDonald, Dave Hagarth, a bunch of great guys, Chris Kelly, um, bunch of great guys. Yeah. Uh, are we all in a football pool. Yeah. And it's the power the, the of fantasy, are high.
0: the power of fantasy sports to keep groups totally. together, eh? Totally. When everybody's moved on around totally. the world, it's it's Pretty cool.
1: Totally. Good. So getting back on track, I I worked my way through the corporate sponsorships uh, group. I was there for my final three years at Maple Leaf Sports. Uh, My job was to be best friends with the partners. I was there, really their representative at Maple Leaf Sports. So as much as I was getting paid by Maple Leaf Sports, I was there to represent Molson mm. or Ford or Best Buy. Yeah. You name it. Uh, and that was, you know, really making sure their deals from stem to stern were executed. So their signage was right. Their contests were being run appropriately. Their assets were all in order. You know, that was really, really the job. Yeah. And, yeah. and and that job then transferred into, okay, things are great. How do we make them even better? How do we get Super strategic about partnerships. My observation of Maple Leaf Sports in the fourteen years I've been gone is just how strategic they've gotten. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it is no longer. Well, they've got a strategy and insights. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, yeah. take a look at a business problem. We'll solve it for you. Learn the client's That's right. business. That's right. right. That's, right. Right? That's yeah. right. So, really sophisticated approach, and they're the yeah. best in the world. I, I, I work with. Plenty of sports franchises, plenty of teams, everyone is is trying to achieve that bar. Sure, I think Maple Leaf Sports sets the bar,
0: yeah. And you know what? You don't need an embarrassment of riches to be able to do that, you just need to take time and prepare and research. It's all out there, right? And we talked about this before we started that you know, you, you, um, there's a lot of there aren't a lot of great sellers out there in the market. And I think the thing that de- differentiates is exactly what we're talking about here is um, it's not about, hey, wheeling and dealing. It's about learning, preparing, understanding, and bringing solutions, right? And that's they, they do that. They have a lot of resources, but any property could do that. I, I think it's all out there. 100%. So so MLSC, you were
1: there six years. I was there exactly six years yeah. to the week. Uh, back to my network. So in late 2005, I got a call from RBC. Yeah, They had just signed on to be the next quadrennial partner of the Olympics or renewed their, their partnership with the Olympics. Yeah. And the Vancouver 2010 Olympics was yeah. going to be the biggest marketing platform RBC ever had. Yeah, And they were looking for a sports marketer to come and work on the team. So I got a call from an RBC headhunter. Would I be interested? And that was a real sort of moment for me. I was mm-hmm. having the time of my life in Maple Leaf Sports, young guy. Yeah, uh, who would want to leave? Right, yeah. right. And what I, I I was making a little more than 21500 yeah, yeah, by the time yeah, I left, not great. much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I was you know access and tickets and all the glitz and glam. Perks, right, so yeah. all the glitz and glam. And and I took the meeting, and that was December. Twelfth of two thousand and five, and my last day at Maple Esports was January first of two thousand and six. So two weeks later, resigned wow. and wow. started started at RBC in January of 2006. Yeah. Um The the opportunity was just too great, yeah. and, and I've been very choiceful in my in my job and my my career um, journey. Um, I I left Maple Esports because I saw the opportunity as RBC to fill in a big gap for me. I I had. Understood and executed, and really got the experience I needed on the um, property side. Mm-hmm. RBC gave me the gave me the opportunity to get the experience on the partner side. Yeah, I knew yeah. where all the dead bodies were buried. Yeah, uh, and and it really is an interesting sort of flip. Um, and it was the smartest thing I ever did. It was a tough decision to leave. I spoke to Hoppy. I spoke to Tom. I spoke to Tom and Selmy, and they all said, as much as we love you here. It's a really great opportunity, and we're not going to tell you not to take it. Especially
0: with 2010 on the horizon. 100%. And I think a lot of people would be surprised because that was what, 2006 you started? Correct. And the games are well, you would have started then with O oh, eight, Beijing. 06, No. Oh six Turin. Oh
1: six Turin. Right started. around the corner. O six Turin was, you know, February. A so, month away. So a yeah. month away. So I was out of the frying pan yeah. and into the fire big time.
0: So Turin, Beijing, but really the the big build up was for twenty ten, right. right? For Vancouver. That's right. And a lot of people would be surprised that you know, you'd start that early, but that's the Olympics. Oh, oh, you, yeah. you have to start formulating
1: right, a strategy right, four years right, out. Right, and more. frankly, RBC's equity in the Olympics stretched sixty yeah. years yeah. earlier. Longest, longest running national partner. That's right? right. That's right. And and a lot of the marketing campaigns were built on that heritage. You know, yeah. first first for you was yeah. first. You know, corporate sponsor of the Olympics in Canada. Yeah. Um, and really great stuff. Yeah, really yeah. great stuff. So I jumped into I jumped into my job at RBC. My 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 job description was managing all the sports relationships. So uh, from uh, the Olympics all the way down, and they had a really yeah. good uh, integrated model. So they had the Olympics, and then they had a bunch of amateur sport organizations, including Hockey Canada, yes, which by the way is an amateur sport organization. Yeah, uh, snowboarding Canada. Alpine Canada, track and field. Yeah. And I'm forgetting one. Um, Freestyle ski. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so my job was to manage all those relationships, uh, manage all the deals, all the executions, weigh in on the, the marketing campaigns. Um manage the RBC Olympians program which was an incredible experience and and that program was all about RBC employing Olympic athletes as essentially paid interns so that they can compete yeah. but also you know these are very busy people that needed to be able to concentrate on their, sure. their athletic careers but also have something to fall back on when their athletic careers are over
0: Yeah,
1: and I don't think it's a huge surprise or secret that amateur athletes in Canada are not yeah. set up for life financially when their careers are over
0: no, no. very few have really Made it what's been fun to watch is somebody like a Tessa Virtue sure. who has taken off and gotten endorsements but she is in the minority right so Most for, of every, for, for every struggle for every Tessa. Tessa
1: there's 50 Jeff beans correct and I use Jeff specifically because Famous freestyle, Amazing freestyle yeah. skier. Yeah. Um, Jeff was one of the first RBC Olympians I hired. Ah. And Jeff's heart was in it. Yeah. Jeff knew that if he was going to provide for his young, growing family, he needed something to fall back on. Yeah. So as much as he was concentrating on his skiing career when I first hired him, I want to say in 2008, he really put his heart into understanding what he could do to build mm. a career.
0: It, it, pausing. Out, when you say hired him, explain that dynamic. Sure. This
1: was this was a true administrative-backed uh, hiring program. So yeah. we hired RBC Olympians as. Uh, they qualified for tax purposes as part-time employees Yeah, they got a paycheck every two weeks like you and oh, okay. I they got benefits they got all kinds of amazing stuff yeah. and when they could give us the time that they needed it averaged out to about 20 hours a week is what we were looking for mm. but there would be months that, that they couldn't attend work so in the summer or the winter, when they weren't training as hard, they'd give us 40 hours a week. Okay. And at the end of the year, we asked them to net out to an average of 20 hours. And he'd be doing right. what kind of? Everything he, you can imagine, from yeah. public speaking, so going yeah. out and talking about our He's not working as a teller in a... No, no, but, right. but actually, when we could get them real experience, yeah. working administratively, working on marketing right. campaigns, working in the branch, we would. Yeah. And this wasn't just in Toronto, it was across Canada. Love so so Jeff knows this stuff. I know, right? yeah, I yeah, know. And yeah. I tell, I'll tell this story to anybody yeah, that yeah. listens because in my whole career, this is one of the great accomplishments. Love it. Yeah. So Jeff lived in Ottawa and yeah. he would compete. Yeah. He would go out and do um, speeches yeah. as an RBC Olympian. Yeah. But then he started working in the branch and he started yeah. understanding wealth management and he started understanding really the, the administrative side of retail banking. Yeah. Guess what? When Jeff retired from his career as a full-time, full-time skier, He got a part-time job as a commentator on CBC, Mm -hmm. and he got a full-time job at RBC. Mm. So up until a couple years ago, he was a full-fledged branch manager in Ottawa for RBC. Uh, How would you go through the process of picking who you put your... Full a- application program. Right. So full application program, yeah. just like you'd apply for any sort of marketing yeah. assistant job. And we would take a look at the application. we took a look at the credentials. Obviously, we picked a few athletes because we wanted them to be in our campaigns. Yeah. Part of being in the RBC Olympians program was our right to use your images. Yeah. So there was a few Olympians that, that were sort of outside of the, the true traditional RBC Olympians yeah. program. We hired Paralympians as well. Yeah. So there was a, a you know a really good representation of Paralympians um it was an amazing program that's great an amazing program good good so
0: So, RBC uh, working with a great Jim Little was there Jim
1: Little Jackie Ryan who's gone on to be an amazing uh, professional at Scotiabank and is you know in many ways the architect behind the Scotiabank arena um Jackie hired me. Yeah, I've learned so much. I got a PhD in marketing from Mm -hmm. Jackie. I got a PhD in brand and sort of operation of of this type of thing from Jim Little. Yeah, again, what a character! Again, oh, the best, (laughs) the best. He's like, he's like. Well, I tell
0: people the the analogy because, and it's silly. I would have left that out of uh, when I was talking about your bio. Um, Because I I had the pleasure of of, uh, heading up the sales team for the 2010 Olympic Consortium. So RBC was a key partner, came to. And I remember a meeting with Jim when we came with this robust media package. And Jim leans in and he says, um, hey guys, um, I love ice cream but I don't need five scoops, right? And it was like, just give me a little bit of chocolate, maybe some Rocky Road. A couple scoops is good enough for me. totally. And we found a way maybe to make it a three-scoop cone. Sure, sure. But uh,
1: Jim was awesome. Jim's the best. Again, back to my network. I stayed extremely, extremely close with Jim. Uh, Jim left RBC, went to go be the head of marketing, brand, and HR at Shaw Communications. uh, And now um, is retired, living retired in Palm Springs. Uh, I, I, you know, I I know Jim well enough to know that he's going to stay busy. Oh, Um, but 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 he's the best, and we speak we speak every couple weeks. You've had amazing amazing mentors amazing yeah. amazing people in my network right I, I certainly don't take it for granted so you're at rbc you're there for i'm there for six years to the week there's right. a recurring theme so <laughs> i said, maple Leaf sports for exactly six years <laughs> i've always years. been a
0: four and a half five-year guy. Right. guy right a
1: six-year right and maple Leaf sports for exactly six years rbc for exactly six years in that time we got through torino we got through beijing vancouver olympics could be our our part two of the podcast i could talk yeah, about everything that we I, did on yeah. the olympics on the olympic torch relay it, it, it's yeah. it's an hour or two on its own yeah for sure uh, Olympics came and went. And it was kind of like what now? So you know, we, we all took March of 2010 off, and by yeah. April of 2010, it was like what's next? Yeah. And Jim was building the golf program uh, with yeah. Steve Marshman yeah. uh, and Andy Shibata, sure, who was uh, you know at RBC with me. Yeah. And um, he was less on the Olympics and more on everything else. Yes. So that as soon as the Olympics were over, Andy was the king of golf. So Jim. Marshman, Andy yeah. built RBC's amazing golf program. Um, Andy went on to uh, become the head of brand uh, at RBC. Mm-hmm. Um, I My job really was, okay, the Olympics emotionally w- was a huge sort of pinnacle. Yeah, Where do we go next? Yeah. And we built out our amateur sport program. We built something called RBC Play, which was really built on the back of our Hockey Canada program we got very involved in golf as everybody knows mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we i still say we even yeah though yeah a competitor. <laughs> yeah um and by you know late 2011 we all knew the, you know the work that we did for the last five and a half years was kind of on uh, on you could never get back to that peak yeah, again yeah so jim was moving on to shaw and just by chance um, Donnie Meehan yeah who and famous li- agent famous agent I would say he's the Jerry Maguire of hockey yes I'm not sure he'd love that comparison. <laughs> Donnie and I did a few deals uh, at our when I was at RBC we did a few deals to put players into RBC commercials leading yep. into 2010 and then and then onwards. Uh, Steven Stamkos, PK Subban, um, were, were really the two main guys. A couple,
0: yeah. A couple, couple, yeah. couple yeah. decent
1: decent players. decent hockey players, yeah. Donnie and I hit it off immediately. Mm. Like when we first started talking, I want to say in 2010, there was just something there. Yeah. And we stayed very close again back to my network. Mm-hmm. And in late 2011, Donnie and I had lunch and he sort of, him and I just sort of talked about the opportunity to really bolster the endorsement and marketing side of his business. So he represented a hundred and some odd players in the NHL oh. and those contracts were growing, but the real upside he identified or maybe the the untapped sort of potential was in the endorsement business. Oh. So we talked about that. He had a, he had a guy that was working for him for many many years, a guy named Dan Kuzmarov. Yeah, um, I remember Dan. Sure, yeah, Dan Dan still in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Donnie asked me if I'd be interested in coming to to work on that piece of the business. Time was right, mm-hmm. and again, super choiceful in my decisions. I had six years on the um, team side, mm-hmm. six years on the partner side. Mm-hmm. Now I could go learn athletes. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's, Love that. that might be the third piece in You're the, always adding something. Always, I always adding something people, new. Make your move if you're going to grow. Totally. Good. Totally. And it all comes to fruition in sort of the chair I'm sitting yeah. in now, yeah. which, we'll, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, so went over to work for Donnie. Mm. Uh, easy choice. Uh, Newport Sports Management. Uh, went, and my title there was Director of Marketing. Uh, and really job was sell deals for the players, go and, and find and sell endorsement deals for the players, Help the players with their own personal brands because this was, you know, really just the outset of that personal brand sure, thing. Sure. And then help the the agency with its brand. So if you check the Newport Sports website in late 2011, it was yeah, could have been late 1977.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, so got in there, worked on the rebrand, wor- which was really exciting. Worked on some branding for players and went out and started hustling deals. Yeah. Cool and of all my careers the hardest right at the end of the day it was a sales job mm. um wasn't flexing my marketing muscles too too much it yeah. was going and hunting deals tough tough selling is hard and and it's doubly hard in this in, in that industry because you got to go to coke and say you yeah, know there's build, so many pieces build right? build a endorsement deal for Stamco. so an appearance uh, television commercial rights All the stuff that You know Autograph merchandise All the stuff that you can imagine Gets thrown into that deal So you go and you build An amazing deal But then you gotta go Sell it to Stamcos, mm-hmm. Right So This is a guy that makes A ton of money mm-hmm. Does he really wanna take Four days out of his Very short summer To go and be Sort of an endorsed Athlete yeah. for Coke Some guys do Some guys don't Yeah. And there was more than One occasion where I'd go And find a deal at a brand Yeah And the player says No thank you or I'll oh. do only this part, and then you have to go back. Yeah, and, and everything. Less enthusiastic. Everything. Yeah. everything. So yeah. for all those yeah. reasons, the job was tough. Yeah, I can't say enough about the human beings. Yeah. So Donnie, Pat Morris, Craig Oster, Mark Guy, Wade Arnett, the, the agents at, mm. the, at the at the agency, um, Greg Landry, uh, who is a really young guy, at the agency who's now grown into a huge part of, of the agent side. Amazing guys. Some of the best friends I'll ever have. Mm. Um, and I can still consider them friends. I don't speak to Donnie as often as I'd like. I mm. still stay in touch. Pat Morris, yeah, mm. like a dad. Mm. You know, I, I, I love him. I love, I'm not sure is a strong enough. Something boy.
0: about the hockey business that attracts good people. 100%.
1: It's good stock. These are guys with good hearts. Yeah. Um, and good people. Yeah. And so, for that reason, my four odd years at Newport Sports was an incredible experience. Mm. Not, And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Mm. I learned so much. I was treated so well by donnie and pat that that I, I don't regret one second of it okay so finally we are at the yeah. at the sort of latest stop and part of me hopes the final stop yeah. in my career final at, destination at, at BMO. <laughs> so again through my network um understood that there was an opportunity to come and head sponsorships in North America at BMO. Justine Fadak who is my current boss and one of the all-time greats uh, a dynamo in every sense of the word uh, was looking for sort of a um Job in between her as head of brand and uh, advertising and sponsorships at the time uh, and the rest of the group. It was quite a big group. It was 30-odd people mm-hmm. in, in 2016 when I started. Yeah. So I, I understood that Justine was looking for that help. Uh, BMO uh, and I got connected, uh, took meeting with uh, Connie Stefankovic, who was the CMO of BMO at the time, uh met with her, met with HR, met with Justine, met with everybody, job got posted, I applied. You know, at, at a company like Vimo you can't just go find someone you like and, and hire them. Yep. You gotta you gotta process. post the job. Yep. Yep. I wanna say it was a nine-month process. Wow. So from you know, my first meeting to you're hired was long. Wow. Uh, luckily I was gamefully employed at Newport Sports at the time yeah. And, yeah. and I was happy to go through the process. I really was. It was it was an amazing process. Mm-hmm. The HR side of things at BMO is as good as I've ever seen, um, so I was happy to go through the process, and I was lucky enough to get the job. Uh-huh. And um, I've been here for uh, it'll be three years next week. Okay, um, and it's the best job I've and ever. It had. feels
0: like long. It feels like your name and BMO. Just longer than three years, but uh, it's been a busy three years. It's been a busy yeah. three
1: years, but the best three yeah. years I can imagine. Yeah, I think it's important to say that BMO is the best company I've ever worked for. That's great. It, the the culture. Yeah, I was going to ask what what is it? Uh, the, the culture, the people, the leadership. Yeah, is incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible, incredible place to work. Yeah. I was lucky. I started right around the same time as the very senior leaders of the bank were getting turned over. Yeah. So Frank Teacher. Uh, and Bill Down, who were running the bank for, you know, the last decade yeah. or so. Um, we're, we're shifting over to our current leadership team of Daryl White, who's the mm-hmm. CEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Fowler, head of Canadian banking. Mm-hmm. Joanna Rotenberg, uh, who's head of wealth. Catherine Roach, who's mm-hmm. head of marketing and strategy and uh, an amazing person. Mm-hmm. These are all folks that are probably in their roles for three, four years or so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I started at the same time. That's great. So so I was on that wave of the new yep. sort of next BMO.
0: So at BMO, so I, I'm looking at the sponsorship portfolio, and a few things stood out to me. Um, certainly uh, soccer. Yep. Uh, certainly inclusiveness and, and women. Um, youth community. Um, uh, there's probably a couple others, but those really... Uh, talk about you know the, the the BMO sponsorship philosophy. Will do. Yeah, will do.
1: Um, and and it's and we'll get into
0: programs shortly. Yeah, but, sure, but I want to sure. just because we're now at sure. BMO. I yeah,
1: sure. I, and I think it's important to draw the distinction between our our approach and our strategy in Canada versus our approach and strategy in the U.S. So okay. important to point out that my job is fifty-fifty north-south. Okay. Uh, we are a very different business in the U.S. And I'll touch yeah. on that in a second. In Canada, I would say our sponsorship strategy is reflective of sponsorship strategy in general as, it, as it's evolved. So 15 years ago, having your logo next to the Toronto Maple Leafs was good enough, right? It was all about brand. Yeah. Today, brand is the third slide in the decking, right? If you are not building brand through your sponsorships, you have a major problem. Yeah. So as I've told my team and told anyone that will listen internally... Brand is table stakes. Building the brand, improving the brand, driving brand awareness—that is—that is a given. Mm-hmm. Driving revenue and acquiring customers are one and one a in everything mm-hmm. that we do in sponsorships. So, fifteen years ago, over the sorry, better put, over the last fifteen years, BMO's been a lot of things. Mm-hmm. BMO's being the bank of figure skating. Yeah. BMO's being the that. bank of basketball. BMO's being the bank of soccer. Being the bank of anything is 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 rife with challenges. Mm-hmm. You need to spend a lot of money on air cover to tell that story. You put yourself in a really tough negotiating position because if you're the bank of hockey, no one's cutting you a deal yeah. when it's time for renewal. right? Yeah. And And that's tough, it's mm-hmm. a tough position to mm-hmm. be in. So we were the bank of those things because we didn't necessarily have a brand platform that could lead the way. Mm-hmm. 2016, the BMO brand was overhauled, and the BMO effect was born. So the BMO effect means lots of things to lots of people, but internally and to us, BMO effect means we, tr- we differentiate our customers. Yeah. We treat our customers better than we treat everybody else because we want everybody else to say, oh, I wish I was a BMO customer. Mm. It ain't rocket science. No. So then it's how you live it, right? That's right. Yeah. So today, our sponsorship strategy is to be the bank of the BMO effect. Mm. So if you go to any of our properties, there's a BMO entrance to get into the TFC game right. at BMO Field quickly. Yeah. And you know what? On some days, we're going to give you a hat or we're going to give you a discount at the concession Love stand. That. We're going to treat you differently. We do that everywhere. We yeah. do it in soccer. We do it at the at the Calgary Stampede. Yes. We did it differently right. at the Vancouver time. Marathon last week. We, and that, that strategy, the bank of the BMO effect, really thematically and executionally does find its way into everything we do in the U.S. and everything that we do I in Canada. I love that. Yeah,
0: simple. and, and Simple. And that, that's it. At all these events, there, people are going for an experience. You can deliver them a better experience, right? It's differentiated.
1: I love it. 100%. Yeah. Um, soccer is a really important, interesting opportunity. And we've ebbed and flowed, I'd say, over the last... 10 years around just our level of, of um, execution and profile in soccer. Yeah. Right now we have the table set to do some amazing things in soccer. Mm-hmm. We have deals with all three MLS teams. We have an amazing relationship with the league. Um, we have some regional soccer things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some great community programs. All that to say, we're currently weaving it all together. Mm-hmm. And all I can say today is stay tuned. Okay. Exciting. 2026, the World Cup of Soccer, is going to really transform, I think, the importance of soccer on the national stage. Yeah. And we just see the the opportunity to double down. Okay. So we're building our strategy. We're building our strategic partner portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, in the next six months, I think exciting. there's very exciting things happening with BMO and soccer. Because you're right. I mean,
0: soccer, it's fair to say, you know, you've got... Um, as a country, uh, the women's side has led. Um, Hundred uh, percent. We've 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 had a an underdeveloped, underperforming men's side. Um, there are now some some new players uh, helping to develop that. And
1: coach, I've heard John Herdman, who's, yeah. who's the architect of the new team, is a visionary, yeah. and the Canadian players, especially the ones that I know and on TFC, yeah. can't wait to to play for this guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and we all know it's it's a big grassroots um, uh, pro, uh, uh, sport. But at, at the professional level, there's still room to go like you see in, in, in Europe. Uh, so it, it is exciting, and I agree with you. I think that 2026 beacon is going to be a great platform to build around, build towards, right? So really excited to see Good. what you Very guys exciting. do there. Very excited.
1: So okay. that's our approach in Canada. Yeah. In the U.S., our approach, we are a regional bank with a regional footba- footprint in the U.S. The U.S. banking industry is completely different than Canada. I mean, mm-hmm. five five major, couple sort of smaller banks in Canada. In the U.S., there's 500 banks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really try to make an impact geographically. Mm-hmm. So Chicago, Milwaukee minnesota st louis we were we're expanding into some other new markets but it's kind of called the midwest the midwest yeah and
0: it's weird to think of that as west anything yeah, but totally. that's what it is totally so yeah. we've, the US, we've yeah.
1: got amazing deals with the bulls and yeah. the chicago blackhawks and the united center and the milwaukee bucks and the minnesota wild the st mm-hmm. louis blues we're doing some small stuff with the dallas stars mm-hmm. um We have some really great event partnerships in the U.S. Summerfest in Milwaukee, which is the world's largest music festival. Wow. Which is mind-blowing. Yes. The most fun you can have in July in the Midwest is at Summerfest. That's awesome. So we have the BMO Harris stage there. Uh, We have great stuff going on in the U.S. And we, as I say, thematically and executionally... We expand or drive our Bank of the BMO effect executions through what we do in the U.S., mm-hmm. and we make hay geographically. Perfect.
0: Let's pivot to um, uh, mentors. Now, you—I think you've hit on it, but I, I'd love for you to just maybe single out a few um, and and just your your views on mentorship, what you've gleaned from it, and what you pass to
1: others. Sure. Um, you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't do it without mentors. Yeah. Right? You can only learn so much. You can only learn so much from a book, and then you can only learn so much, you know, I used it before, out of the frying pan into the fire, which is you're going to learn quick. But learning to do it right comes from mentors. Yeah. And I've had great ones. Yeah, you have. I've had great ones. We've mentioned them. Yeah. Uh, You know, Hoppy. Pistori, yeah. Jim Little,
0: yeah.
1: Donnie and Pat at Newport Sports. I've learned something. Every stop you I, find. Every every stop you yeah. find something different. Yeah. And if you really drilled me on it, I could talk about what I learned specifically from each of those people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, learning negotiation from Don Meehan, pretty good. Yeah pretty, pretty pretty good, yeah. pretty good guy to learn negotiation from. Pretty good teacher, yeah. Uh, you can that's, ima- that's an MBA plus. You, yeah. you can imagine, yeah. you know, what it was like trying to negotiate a salary with him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say he yeah, won. Yeah, I yeah, lost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but but the importance of mentors is is, yeah. is enormous. And yeah. and in my job today, I have mentors internally. Uh, but I'll always, always lean on the mentor. Like, they don't go away. Yeah. Right? I, I haven't worked with, with Hoppy or Jim Little in many years. Yeah. I still need their advice. Yeah. Steve Marshman, who runs uh, Wasserman in Canada uh, and worked on, on all kinds of uh, golf things when I was at RBC. If I have a real problem, Steve's one of the first guys I call. Yeah. Because he's so smart. Yeah. And he's so experienced and he's so willing to give me his time. Yeah. It, it means so much. And, and
0: so, this idea of go- going outside of your current a. Uh, You know, environment to somebody who's a little more arm's length and perhaps brings a level of
1: objectivity, right? It's important when you have a a dilemma. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Another great example Michael Beckerman. So Michael Beckerman was the CMO of BMO 10 years ago, Mm. before I even got to BMO. Michael Beckerman just started as president of MKTG. Mm. Michael Beckerman Mm. owned and ran an agency before that called Ariad. Michael Beckerman has been a very good friend to me for a decade. Yeah. And for me to be able to go talk to him about, you know, the BMO landscape, which has very changed from 10 years ago, but he understands... Big business marketing, big bank marketing. Yeah, amazing resource. That's great. I could list. I could. I probably have no joke. Ten mentors that yeah. I lean on on a regular. And it basis.
0: makes me think. And I've shared this story before. And I love to just run it by you. It's 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 just a. I heard a TED Talks, and it's this idea that there are two types of equity. All right. As somebody who works in a big organization, there's your. Um, performance equity, which is you've got a job and you, you exceed it and you build, up, uh, expect, uh, you, you build up equity. The other part is relationship equity. And you, you seem, based on everything you said, a guy who's really embraced this, which is you develop meaningful relationships so that when there are meetings where you're not in the room and they're talking about, you know, the, who are our A players uh, or who should we cut, People can only really make a call on that if they know you, right? So it's it's actively seeking out those relationships 100%. that will pay off when it comes to hundred percent those those situations. Hundred percent right? agree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The the other point or counterpoint I would make is that do you know how willing I am to pay it forward? Yeah, and be it. a mentor for somebody. I mean, the greatest the greatest compliment I can pay all the mentors that have done what they've done for me hmm. is for me to do it for someone else. Yeah, yeah and that's why if a student calls me or a young person in the industry calls me and wants to have a coffee and just talk i don't say no yeah i don't always have you know yeah it might take a little bit of time yeah yeah but but i don't say no yeah that's and it's my absolute pleasure to talk to discuss to brainstorm how to get into our amazing industry well do
0: what you did with uh with tom yeah right Uh, way back 20 years ago Let's um, shift to uh, sponsorship initiatives. Love to just, and this is like picking uh, who your favorite child is, but um, maybe shine a light on one
1: or two that you've been involved in that really stand out to you, you're proud of. Um, number one by far, going back to my Olympic days, was the Olympic torch relay. Yeah, so, so yeah, real quick, program. real quickly. Yeah, we, you know, a year before, longer, a year and a half before the Vancouver Olympics at RBC, we we saw a challenge, and the challenge was, yeah, Canada was excited about the Olympics, but really, it was Vancouver that was excited about the Olympics, and from a business perspective. What did what RBC was saying about the Olympics mean to, to Halifax, mean to Saskatoon, mean to Yellowknife? Yeah. Um we had we had we had programs that we were trying to drive and we were trying to weave it all together, but we really identified that as much as this was going to be Canada's games, how did you make it relevant across Canada? And the opportunity to be the Olympic Torch Relay partner yeah. came up. Yeah. So it was actually the co-partner. Coke It was yes. the long-standing partner of the Olympic Torch Relay, the, the global partner, yes. and it, they were looking for a local national partner. Mm-hmm. Um, courageous by Jim and Jackie and everybody else that worked on that to say, hey, we've already spent X hundreds of millions <laughs> of dollars, how about an incremental yeah. 30 or 40 to be the Olympic Torch Relay? Because we think it's really gonna, yeah. gonna help us bring it all together. God bless Jim and Jackie who went to Gordon Nixon, the CEO at the time of National Money. Mm-hmm. and we got it. And it was the smartest thing we did mm-hmm. because the Olympic torch relay started in Victoria BC, went north, went east to, to the East Coast, Went south across the country and back to it. Did a giant yeah. loop across coast Canada, to coast to coast. So if RBC yes. and I'm going to get the exact numbers wrong, if RBC had 1,100 branches in Canada, the Olympic torch relay ran within a kilometer of 900 of them. That's incredible. So
0: all of a sudden, and that's
1: the magic. Right? And that's the magic. It to that's all the magic. That's the magic. And and all of a sudden, we had a way to weave 900 branches into the Olympic yeah, story. There's your so line. the day yeah. the Olympic torch relay ran by a branch, that branch became that community's hub party. Mm. Excitement point for the Torch Relay And the build the up to that day And right? the build up yeah. and everything So we did amazing innovative things Like we sent every all 900 of those branches A party in a box mm. So our partners at Accolade Reaction Steve Pons, shout out yeah. Steve Pons, One of my all time favorite yeah, yeah. people Helped us build a box and ship a box With everything you needed Flags and, and banners and cake decorations And everything you could think of mm. To make the branch a party The day the Torch Relay mm. ran by it mm-hmm. By the way, we also had a thousand or so torch relay spots to give out through contests, Mm -hmm. through clients, through high value, all of it you know the highlight of uh, yeah. one of the highlights of my career was running with the Olympic Torch down Main Street and in, um, in everybody got their spot right? yeah. And yeah. There was, yeah where were you? Uh, Camrose, Alberta Camrose <laughs> yeah. and, and it wasn't like you had roots in Camrose none, right? none. Just, but my family flew out and yeah. I was running and looked over my mom was crying and the snow was falling Is is the greatest <laughs> you'll always be linked to great, Camrose it, it, it. It, was, it was the greatest thing ever so, yeah. so the Olympic Torch relay yeah. you know for something that I worked on yeah. was, was a crowning achievement no question we
0: at the media consortium had the pleasure and the privilege of 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 uh carrying those messages and those visuals to Canadians totally. so I very much uh, know what you're talking about and and, and admired that program it, it, was, it was fascinating a good good it, I
1: have to I have to give a shout out to to Charlene uh, McLaughlin who at the time was Charlene DeGroote mm-hmm. uh, one of one of the all-time great people I've had the pleasure of working with yeah. and we were we were partners on that so she was sort of on the brand side she of the Torch E-Mail. Relay yeah, and I was on at, the, RBC. I, at RBC at yeah, RBC yeah. she was on the brand side of the yeah, Torch Relay yeah. and I was on the Opera Side of the torch relay, right. yeah. and you know, talk about coming together. Yeah. And we had some dark days. Yeah. There were some tears. There <laughs> was some jubilation. And um, from her, yes. uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know from you. Most, yes. of, most, most of the from, tears were for, from me. From trust from me. me. From you, yeah. uh, but yeah. but what a project. That's and awesome. when we look back uh, between that and the Olympic experience, it's it's just it's life changing. Yeah. You know it, yeah. right? Yeah. Being being you know, fourteenth row, sitting next to Mike Weir at the gold medal game yeah. for for yeah. The, the men's team, yeah. and being there for the women's amazing win—it was yeah. it, those gold yeah, medal hockey wins were things I'll never forget. Correct, things Good. I'll never forget. That first medal that we won in Moguls—I was in yeah. the stands, and yeah. it was like this is this is yeah. life changing. The,
0: the, the panic, at, totally. Uh, that first few yeah. days, we weren't yeah. winning the medals right. we were supposed right. to, and then right. everything changed. Right. right, and that that right. second week was magic. Magic, magic. Um, what um, what about programs you've you've admired from a distance? Right, we we don't all have the pleasure of working on every great program,
1: but there's ones that catch your eye. Sure, um, I, I look again. I look at, at Maple Leaf Sports yeah. and, and just what they do with their partners and it's it's expensive like we are we're not talking about you know mm-hmm. uh, hey i'm looking for a, an efficient way to achieve reach well here before the, their new partnership you
0: guys were big with the basketball team right totally yeah totally yeah we, yeah, were, so you, we, you know. we
1: loved our raptors relationship yeah. and,
0: and and by I, the way my anxiety levels are off the charts because that is my team the raps and uh we're we're going to release this at a date we'll pick but uh as we sit here, they're they're playing in a potential closeout game tonight, and I'm, like,
1: yeah. losing my totally. mind. Totally. Totally. Anyway. <laughs> well, and, and podcast three, yeah. I mean, we've already got our next three podcasts. Yeah, 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 Podcast three, we'll talk about all the things that were going on behind the scenes for Scotiabank Arena's naming rights. So, yes. I mean, that's a whole fascinating yeah. confluence yeah. of, of yeah. circumstances yeah. and negotiations and no, everything else, no and we kidding. can fill a couple hours yeah. with that. Um, but I would say a recent partnership program that I've loved is the OVO Centre. The OVO... Yeah. Practice yeah, facility I like for the Raptors. It just, from a brand perspective, from a Drake perspective, from a it makes sense perspective, all yeah. of it. I just love what they've done. Yeah, um, I love the lifestyle side of things. I yeah. love how it's about more than than a consumer product. It's it's really about you know that OVO brand drawn next to the Raptors brand just makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. You're seeing it now
0: as, well, certainly the names there and the backdrop when they're interviewing the players at the practice facility. I haven't seen other manifestations yet. The, well, so it's, with early, it's early days, it's early, and,
1: right? and yeah. neither, far be it for me to talk yeah, through some yeah. of the stuff that I've heard. Yeah, But I would say they have some really cool, I can only imagine. interesting things yeah. coming down the pipe, and yeah. I, I can't wait to see it. There seemed
0: like there was a time where Drake was involved as an ambassador then it looked like it was a bit of a yeah. distancing yeah. And now well, it, now it feels yeah. like it's all back in totally. and growing right? totally I, th- I think
1: they needed to find their footing yeah right you know they needed to find their footing on both sides Drake probably just needed to understand how much of his own personal yeah. blood sweat and tears needed to be pushed into that ambassador yeah. role yeah. and the team probably needed to figure out you know what the right balance was yeah, and I, I think fig- they're figuring it out I think I every day it's getting a little bit stronger cooler great. more integrated and more appropriate I agree.
0: Um, let's, uh, wrap on a few things. Uh, one is, uh, trends. Um, love to just get your take on this, this, this dynamic. And I always see it from a, you know, the, I call it the buyer seller dance, right? Uh, I've always been on the side of, of representing properties sure. and selling to yep. people like you. And, uh, although we haven't done a lot, uh, together, uh, you know, I've always known and, and respected your name and, um, you're on that side where you're buying and, and although you have sold. Uh, what are you seeing in terms of trends in sponsorship
1: marketing? Well, for, for the sellers out there, I'd say the, the most concerning thing is just the slow growth of budgets. So, I am constantly asked to do more with either flat or, or shrinking budgets. Yeah. So. You know the impression that a giant bank is sitting you know is sitting on a mountain of money figuring right. out what we buy next is is absolutely inaccurate yeah We're frankly trying to figure out what we have that we don't need.
0: People just drove off the road now the cur- a bubble, yes. I don't think that's bubble
1: yeah I don't think I don't think it's pulling the curtain back <laughs> no too far. no no but it is saying yeah. that if, if a program a property or a platform isn't working, or being efficient.
0: Yeah, yeah. The
1: days of just renewing it because you're too lazy to, to divest it are yeah, over. Yeah. I pressure to divest has never been higher. Yeah. So so that's one trend uh, that I would say mm-hmm. that I'm seeing. Um we talked earlier before we started the podcast today about e-gaming, mm-hmm. a huge thing out there that I'm trying to figure out with the help of partners on the other side of the aisle, the sellers on the e-gaming side, trying to figure out how a retail bank would plug into e-gaming because yeah. the reach is attractive. There's no doubt yeah. about the reach is attractive. There's no. I, I see it with my 10-year-old son who... If I didn't moderate, would play Fortnite twenty four hours a day. Go. He would stay up. He wouldn't get tired, and he would just play Fortnite.
0: His influencer is Ninja. Where right. others might be Austin Mathis. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's right.
1: Yeah. That's right. And I'd like to think you know he's got a, a balance of both but yeah, i yeah. know where that balance but he knows lies. he knows who ninja is oh for and marshmallow yeah. And yeah, Mar- yeah, i know yeah, who ninja yeah, is yeah, yeah, and yeah, marshmallow yeah. and everybody else and that's only because i i monitor him playing a little yeah, bit yeah, so
0: yeah. sure um, sure sure that's the yeah 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 uh, well yeah.
1: i pick up the controller now and again but <laughs> yeah. i die very you're quickly. that guy i'm like, awful time
0: to go to bed yeah. and then you grab it yeah i'm
1: awful <laughs> um, but but i would say you know that that whole e-gaming world is is a trend that i am a little bit anxious about about trying to figure out yeah yeah good
0: um, what uh, let's wrap on uh, professional personal professional development advice um, because I always I, I used to talk about career advice but I think it's all part of the same thing before professional w- w- I love just picking people's brains successful people what are your personal habits what, what are some of the things you do to be uh, a, the best version of yourself yeah um,
1: I would say communication and the ability to communicate are are really, you yeah. know, the hallmark of what I try to do every day. Um, you miss a comma in a tersely worded email yeah. and you could set the whole world on fire. Yeah. So being able to communicate very clearly, succinctly and appropriately via email. Yeah. Via no telephone. Yeah. Right? The days of picking up the phone and actually having a conversation are over. Nobody yeah. does it. Nah. I would still much rather do it. And yeah. I still, I try to tell the folks on my team, Yeah. pick up the phone. Yeah. Because uh, a text message or an email is is hard to, there's, there's no nuance in text Correct. messages and emails. So right. I would say I really try to be a good communicator. Yeah. I try to maintain relationships and I try to turn... The relationships that are most important to me into friendships that's good so so that came through in what you were saying earlier yeah so so i'd say on a personal level that's really what i try to drive yeah nice and then let's
0: wrap with uh professional development advice um you know easy yeah
1: go easy network build your network (laughs) yeah build yeah maintain and cultivate your network you love it Uh, that that i i can't say it enough and i say it all the time yeah have the guts and the hustle to introduce yourself, go have a coffee with someone, mm-hmm. stay on their radar, and build your networks.
0: And and it ties into what you said a, a second ago that uh, I've heard the line, I love it, that you can't develop a relationship with an inbox, no, right? No, you can't. You, you, certainly for efficiency reasons, we know that electronic communication is a must. And I love your point that... Um, the best training I still to this day was from the very beginning of my career at an agency, Ogilvy and Mather, and it was about uh, business writing, right? And it's totally. carried forward, and now I preach it to everybody totally. else. And it is shocking when I see, and it catches my eye certainly when I see negative or poorly yeah. uh, written uh, notes. But at some point, you got to climb out from totally. that inbox and develop. To totally. relationships, right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. This has been great. Thank you. Loved it. Thank Good. you.